Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer! When 845 hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Can't stop me now! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to No Boundaries, episode 16, here on a Tuesday at 6 o'clock. My name is Connor Griffin, joined, of course, by Zach Donaldson. We are thrilled to be here today. Got some depressing news to start off with, though. Not news related to us, but just general talk about the NBA. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second, though. Zach, how you doing? You feeling all right? Yeah, feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling great, actually, considering I just ripped the first uh, pre-show tweet. <laughs> nice, <laughs> it, yeah. Off of our Twitter account in a while. I've been lazy with that, not going to lie, but we're getting back to it. Stuff happens, man. I got, like, life, college. It happens. I forget. Social media is also a very difficult thing. I, I praise everybody yeah, in our really com is. radio social media department because they do such a fine job. Um, it was funny, actually, before we get into the news, you know, the, the Jim Nance Award, for those of you listening and don't know what the Jim Nance Award is, um, it's an award that they give to the top sportscaster in America, the top college sportscaster mm-hmm. in America. It's the Sportscaster Talent Agency of America organization that puts it together. They're the ones who judge and everything like that. And our social media people, uh, particularly Kyle Canillo, has been super helpful with getting everybody. You have to submit a reel. And I texted him last night because he's been making, like, cool graphics for people's reels. And I was like, hey, could you help me out? And he said, absolutely, absolutely. And I said, by the way, I hope that, like, you're getting your reel done. Like, cause he's, he's applying, yeah. too, and he's making all these graphics for everybody else. I was like, I hope that you get yours done. Um, but, yeah, they've been going out of their way. He actually he sent me the final graphics at, like, 5 a.m. I was like, dude, get some sleep. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. speak, speaking of social gotta, media, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. And Oh, absolutely. We definitely got to tip our hat to everybody here at Com Radio who's yeah. running social media. I'm and who, still, yeah. I've still have yet to hit him up about one of those. Oh, I, really? I've been trying to pick a picture. I don't have one outside of my headshot that's really that great, so I might just go with that. But yeah, Kyle, if you're listening, shout out. Yeah, appreciate all the all the great work they're doing. I'm ex- oh, I'm excited to have that being the thumbnail of my reel. Yeah, you you gotta it's dope. You gotta make sure that the the main is flowing. Whatever picture you choose, you gotta make sure that it's uh that the the, the locks are, oh, yeah. are luscious and whatnot. Because yeah, yeah the headshot the headshot's a good one. It definitely you know it definitely makes those noticeable. Makes them prominent. It was, makes it was a good hair day, thankfully word <laughs> i forget what mine was like i forget if i had a good hair day that day i think i had like really short hair so i guess it didn't matter but um yeah so we got that going on uh, it's a bunch of like hours and hours of just watching myself uh, <laughs> yeah, no, which right. is interesting <laughs> but uh now i get to listen to myself and i get to actually listen to you too so that's it's a nice change of pace so mm-hmm. anyway um we're gonna talk some nba as we alluded to at the beginning of the show last night brutal news for particularly the Nuggets, but if you're just a fan of the game, th- this was really tough to see, tough to hear this morning too, what it transpired into. But Jamal Murray, Murray, thinking of Daryl Murray, <laughs> Jamal Murray, uh, it's been revealed that he tore his ACL in the game last night against Golden State. He was going in for a layup, and he came down on the ground, did not look good, and yeah, sure enough, it was his ACL. So he's, I mean, he's out for the rest of the year, and all of a sudden this. I don't want to say championship contending team in the Nuggets, close. but close to it. They're a contender. We'll yeah. just say that they are a contender. Not anymore, though, I don't think, mm-hmm. without Jamal Murray. Um, they still have Jokic. They still have now Aaron Gordon. But Murray, I think, is what makes them that that X factor of a team where you never know exactly what you're getting every night if you're the opposition. like I, I think they keep you so much on your toes. Especially with Jokic, too. With Jokic. Yeah. And they're just so dynamic. They're not an easy team to figure out if you're an opposing defense. And I, I think that they could have provided a lot of problems for a lot of teams in the West. Not anymore, though. Um, yeah. Are you in the, are you in the same line of thinking with that? First of all, w- were you watching 
that game, or did you see it on Twitter, or how how did you yeah. see the injury in the first place? Yeah, I, I was not watching uh, that game. Um, I had I've, I've got a busy week this week, so I was working on some some schoolwork, but I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, me too. And I mean, immediately, I, you just you just know you've seen enough of these things where you you know what's good and and, and what's bad m- most of the time. Uh, and I I saw that the leg just it it buckled, it just gave out, and yeah, I was like, oh no, this is. It's not good. You it's to, to just see like a player like him just go down, and and then not to mention it just adds on to the what seems like an endless list at this point of just superstars getting injured out for the season, out for yeah. an extended period of time, and this you know just just adds on to that. And I am in the same boat as you. I thought the Nuggets could definitely, like you said, they pre- present a lot of problems, uh, present teams with a lot of problems, and you know in the playoffs that's going to be. Uh, probably even more so, and especially with the addition of Aaron Gordon now, you see how all the success that they're having. They they've been massively successful with the addition of him uh, to their already you know versatile uh, do it all lineup. So uh, yeah, I, but with I, I won't say their hopes are completely diminished. I mean, they still have a lot of good you know they have a lot of good players, a lot of a lot of a lot of talent on, on that team, and Jokic still MVP candidate. Nikola Jokic and Michael right. Porter Jr.'s, you know, keeps taking steps forward. So we'll see if he can step into that second role. Um, but yeah, I mean, bottom line is not good. Not good news for the Nuggets. Not good news. Ever seen a player of Murray's caliber go down? Yeah, and it, it is weird because my first reaction when I saw it was, you know, now that I think about it, how doesn't this happen more? Like players are constantly elevating going in for layups and if they come down wrong on it like that could theoretically happen i I played basketball not to toot my own horn (laughs) but i played basketball for many many years and i look back i was like yeah there were plenty of times where i came down funny on an ankle or something like that thankfully i I never had anything happen where it was a really serious injury but it could have like theoretically i don't know how my first reaction was yeah like how doesn't this happen more the the one thing that I've always wondered with like ACL injuries like that. So it happened on the on the play, fifty seconds left in the game, which to- like completely unfortunate. But say he were to sit out those fifty seconds, would that completely negate the ACL, or was there something? Was it already like weakened? And yeah, something that's something I've always I've never known that. Like would it would it, would he have torn it like two games like in two two games later? That's a good point. Yeah, I, just I, something I've always you know asked myself. But I, I, don't know I, I have I have an athletic trainer for a roommate. I'll hit him up, and I'll, yeah. I'll see what he says. I would be very – I'm very curious. I, I, I've always been – I always have been. I'll give him a call right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'll give him a call in the commercial. Yeah, t- uh, <laughs> tell him to call in. Yeah, tell him to call in. Medical pull, expertise. Pull a Broad Street Bros and bring in callers for the radio <laughs> show. Um, we love the Broad Street Bros. But anyway, the, the Nuggets right now, they sit at 34-20 and 20 in fourth place in the West. So first round, at least, they would get home court advantage. They're actually – a game above the Lakers right now, but of course yeah. the Lakers have had their fair share of injuries as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I doubt that's going to hold true. I doubt that would have held true even if Jamal Murray didn't get injured where the Nuggets would be above the Lakers in the standings. But yeah. um, you assume that the Lakers are going to pass them. You assume that the Nuggets are now most likely going to lose home court advantage in the first round, and they might like sink back to five six seven seed. that's what maybe. i'm saying i don't think they're gonna plummet that much because the lakers i think will definitely surpass them i feel like all the teams above them will stay there the trailblazers they're at six right now i believe maybe i think they're two games back from the nuggets now i think maybe uh but then there's the mavs and the grizzlies i don't think no i don't think they'll surpass the nuggets so i agree with you i think they're gonna you know end up finishing right there yeah, blazers are uh two and a half games back yeah uh, they're two and a half games behind the nuggets so um, yeah, no, I, I think they'll fall back a little bit, but they're still going to be a playoff team. It's just not going to be the same playoff team that Mm-mm. obviously we, we had hoped. I, I was really looking forward. Me Outside too. of the Lakers, they were probably the team I was most excited to see. Maybe the Suns. Suns. I was going to say Suns. I looked at the standings. I was like, oh, my God, the Suns are in second place. <laughs> yeah. It's unreal what they're doing this season. Uh, and they're only, effect, man. They're only a, a game and a half out of first – and of course, the first place team is the Jazz, and the Jazz were the hottest team in basketball for they were kind of like weeks. a phony first place team almost, right? But still, like the the way that they started yeah, off yeah, the yeah. season, the fact that the Suns mm-hmm. are only a game and a half behind them, it's it shows you just how, as you said, the Chris Paul effect, like how well they've been doing this season, and obviously, yeah, like that whole squad is gelling right now. Yeah, 
Uh, so, yeah, I, out of the teams I'm most excited to see in the West, yeah, it was Lakers, then Nuggets, then Suns. But now I would probably put Suns above the Nuggets because I'm not that much looking forward to seeing a, a Nuggets team without Jamal, Wir- Jamal Murray. I can't say his last name. I don't know why. Uh, it's the easiest last name in the world, but I can't say it. I keep slipping up on it. So that was definitely, yeah, some depressing news that we got this morning confirmed. We got a sense last night that, oh, yeah, this is not going to be good. And then we got that confirmation that it is an ACL tear this morning. So prayers out to Jamal Murray. Hopefully he can be back by the start of – actually, I don't know if he can be back by the start of next season. I mean, these are long timetables, yeah. yeah. So hopefully whenever he can get back on the floor, whatever the earliest possible date is, hopefully we get to see him there. Um, but also in that same game last night, because it was Nuggets-Warriors, we saw Steph Curry go off. Yeah, very nice to see. Go off, 53 points. Um, how many threes did he have? Was it 10? 10, 10 for 18. 10 for 18 from deep. And, uh, yeah, this is just absurd. The amount of times that we've seen him this season put up stat lines like this where he's just going off. And, uh, you know, they've been hit with another big-time injury. Wiseman is done. Um so, really, there, there's really not a whole lot of talent on that no. team aside from Draymond Green, maybe. But even Draymond, I think, ever since Clay has been out, and especially since KD has left, I think Draymond has really struggled to find his role a, a little bit. Or maybe that's not a good way of putting it. Maybe his role just isn't as impactful. Yeah, he's not much of a game changer anymore. No. As he um, because, yeah, he, he could, when there were other stars on the floor, fit a very – particular job and he did that job extremely well now that job he needs to do a lot more and I don't think he's capable of doing more than what that job is he's an enforcer he's a a hard worker rebounder but he's not a scorer and I I think that's definitely uh causing some trouble for him and obviously once Clay gets back I think he'll get back into the swing of things but yeah Steph Curry can he lead this team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent they're in the 10th spot right now in the west can he potentially lead them to a playoff spot with the way that he's playing, even though, yes, he does not have a whole lot around him now? Yeah, I mean, every, I mean, he's been kind of up and down this year, uh, one, one could say, but overall he's definitely had a, a, a pretty stellar season. But just as of late, since he's returned from that injury, he has been absolutely electrifying. And we saw last night was his best performance um, of that you know five-game stretch since he's returned. But he's averaging like 40 points. He's been sensational. And I actually, you know, grouping this with the with the Wiseman injury, I actually think Wiseman's injury in terms of like playoff contending, in terms of securing a playoff spot, actually might help the Warriors a little bit. How? Because I think that he's he's a very very raw prospect, and I think his development was kind of hindering because you know they were trying to play with his development. Uh-huh. He and Curry, the games that I saw, I the games that I've watched. Uh, Granted, very few of them, but it's just I don't think he and Curry – I think, you know, with without having to worry about his development, I think you can surround Curry with a lot more, you know, capable players and kind of just let him do his thing like we saw last night. And he puts up 53 points versus a – I mean, a very, very good Nuggets team. Oh, yeah. So that shows – I think that just shows right there that he's certainly capable of – yeah, with especially with his style of play, can just light it up from three, pretty much any single night. I think he's definitely capable of carrying this Warriors team to at least a at least a playing game, at least a bottom, you know, bottom seven eight playoff spot. Yeah, I think so. I, and I also think lots of people have forgotten just how good Steph Curry yeah. is. Um, I was never in the camp that he was the best player in the league. But there were lots of people who were saying that when he was winning back-to-back MVPs and he was you know, beating LeBron in the finals, there were people saying, oh, yeah, no, he's the best player in the league. Not a chance. But he's definitely top 10, and he is arguably the most explosive player in the league. No, I'd go out on a limb, and I'd say definitively he is the most explosive, explosive player in the league. We forgot about it because he has been injured because Clay has been injured and the Warriors have not been as much of a contender or a contender at all, really. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Durant left, and they have not been the dynasty, so we forget about just how good Steph Curry's game is and just how unconventional it is in terms of 
the, the historical sense. Like, we've never seen a player play like this before. Yeah. Going 10 for 18 from deep, especially in the way that he does it. He's creating his shot a lot of the time. It's not like, you know, he's getting open and catching and shooting. He is dribbling. I saw the move that he put on. I forget who it was who was defending. But it was a, a highlight that was all over social media where, yeah, he just has the ball in the near wing. And he's just doing all these moves back and forth, catching a defender off guard. Eventually, he finds him in a spot where a crossover makes the defender fall a little bit. And then, yeah, he just pulls up for a three. And I was just like, I, nobody does that the said, way that he does that. Yeah, he said, can't guard me. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, See, yeah, that's what it was. He said me. afterwards, yeah, he can't guard me. Um, it, it is unbelievable the way that he can score and create his own shot. And obviously, we saw that last night. It resulted in 53 points. But, yeah, is that enough? to uh to propel the warriors into a final playoff spot i don't know it was definitely an interesting theory that you brought up about wiseman though about mm -hmm. him being out now i see what you're saying because who knows maybe this is something where steph curry plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder like all right it's my not only yeah. am i the only one left but also you guys forgot how good i was mm -hmm. let's show you let's show off a little bit and uh let's get this warriors team back into the playoffs because yeah i mean i, I think You'd have to make a case for him as MVP if they were to make it into the playoffs and make a little bit of a run, personally. Definitely. At least, I mean, if they're the, the sixth seed, seventh seed, I could, we'll, I mean, we'll see, obviously, a Jokic and Embiid, even LeBron, how the rest of the season shakes out. But, no, definitely something to something to keep an eye on. Yeah. They're I, currently I, currently tied for the playing game. So, they're, yeah. not, they're not far off at all. No, no. They, they, and yeah. they'll have some time to work things out a mm -hmm. little bit and get into a rhythm, so... Definitely. Definitely keep your eyes on the Warriors, uh, I guess you could say, across the state or the Lakers, and you just brought up LeBron and everything like that. LeBron was not playing against the Nets over the weekend. Neither was AD. If it means anything, neither was Kyle Kuzma. And the Lakers still routed Brooklyn. Routed Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Is this a big deal, the fact that, the Lakers and the Nets, who everybody presumes are going to be the two teams squaring off in the finals. When I say everybody, not including us, of course. But the, the general conception is Lakers-Nets, they're the front runners, and the Lakers, without their top three, really, blow out the Nets. Is this a big deal? Well, you could say, yes, the Lakers didn't have their top three. But on the other hand, Kyrie got ejected in the first quarter. Right. Kevin Durant was on a minutes restriction, and James Harden wasn't playing. So, bottom, like, bare bones, I don't really think this game holds a lot of water in terms of how the playoffs are going to shake out. Play playoff basketball is a completely different monster. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it, it definitely, you know, it definitely is telling. Uh, the, the, the fact that the Lakers, e even without LeBron and Anthony Davis, still put up a, a pretty, pretty exceptional defensive performance uh, against – I guess the best offensive team in the league, and they've been one of the best defensive teams without those two. So I think that you know you, that's something you got to keep an eye on, uh, you know, down the stretch of, of this season, especially when LeBron and, and AD come back. Yeah, I mean the Nets only put up one hundred and one. Yeah, which obviously yeah, they had some of their best mm -hmm. scores out too. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the fact that the Lakers put up one twenty six is very telling of just. Not how poor this Nets defense is, yeah. That, yeah. But relatively, how there is a lot of room for improvement there on that side of the ball because yeah, their defense has been struggling this year. They've just relied on outscoring teams, but that can come back and bite you. So especially in the playoffs, playoff basketball is whole different monster. I'm telling you, whole different animal. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, to see exactly if we will get that matchup. <laughs> And uh, if we were to see that matchup, yeah. what exactly? Because, yeah, I, I can't base a whole lot off of this game. Like, I can't form a whole lot of opinions based off of this because it's not going to be the same if they were to square off, you're right, in the playoffs. Um, but speaking of the playoffs, and since we're talking about the Nets, we can now, I guess, shift over uh, a little bit into the Eastern Conference, and then we'll wrap this up relatively quickly because we do have to go to a commercial break. Um, there's only one and a half games separating – the fourth seed in the East, and the eighth seed, which is pretty wild. We have the Hawks, which that in itself is wow. really shocking. Yeah, look at them at four right there. Hawks, the Hawks at four. So what it is, it's Sixers, Nets, Bucks. They are definitively the top three teams. Yeah. Then there are four and a half games between third-place Bucks and fourth-place Hawks. 
Then we have Heat, Hornets, Celtics, Knicks. And, yeah, between the Heat and the Knicks, there's – or, pardon me, between the Hawks and the Knicks, there's only a game and a half separating. So that is five teams right there, all a game and a half. So we're, we're, we're gearing up yeah. for a very interesting end to the season. We know who the Definitely. top three seeds are going to be in the East. But Likely. Yeah, one – yeah. How the rest of that sorts out is going yeah. to be fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking even below that. I mean, the Pacers have 25, three games out. Yeah, Pacers are in the mix. Bulls have some have some room to cover. Um, and then I, I think outside of yeah. that, there's really not another Raptors, team. Raptors, Wizards. Yeah, yep. there's really not another team that can make their way in, I don't think. Probably not. But I'm, I'm curious to see how, yeah, the seeding plays out because I can't remember the last time I saw something like that where there are five seeds. It's tight, man. All within two games. So Tight race. Buckle up. I love this time of the year, though. Oh, I know. This time of the year is the best. That. Like, the home stretch of the NBA regular season, shifting into the playoffs, baseball starting up, the weather is changing. Like, oh, my God, it's just great. Great feeling. Yeah. We'll get into some baseball in a little bit, too. Um, well, actually, we'll come back with some basketball because it was the very special anniversary today of a very special event, which we definitely want to get to. And then we can talk some football. We can talk some other stuff. Just stick around. We got a lot in store. Uh, but, yeah, we do have to go to commercial break. So stick with us. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Who's going first overall? Who's the biggest sleeper? Who is going to be the biggest bust? For all your mock drafts, player comparisons, and projections for this year's NFL draft, Listen to On the Clock on Com Radio every Friday from 7.15 to 7.45 with Matt Rudisill, Aiden Torek, Logan Barandis, and Sam Kirk. Here on Com Radio, nothing is off the table for discussion. Whether that's breaking news, daily sports talk, the entertainment and music industry, Penn State sporting events, whatever it is, we've got you covered on PSUComRadio.com. There you can find our talk shows or live broadcasts, articles or podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram for more content. But above all, thank you for tuning into our station and be sure to stick around right here on Com Radio. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin live on Com Radio. And we're back here on No Boundaries. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, glad to have you in. We alluded to it before the break, but it is the five-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant, his final game as a Laker, scoring 60 points and capping off his illustrious career in the Staples Center for all of L.A. to witness. It was an historic event. Um, I know personally my thoughts on the event and my thoughts on that particular game have shifted a little bit ever since the passing of Kobe Bryant last year. But you were just saying during the break, like, God, it's been five years. It's ridiculous. So just what are your, your general memories of that game, Zach? And what are you thinking today, knowing that it has been that long since that took place? Yeah, I can't tell if five years seems long ago or if it feels like it was you know, just yesterday. It's it's just kind of surreal. I mean, and especially you know, the fact now that he's he's passed, um, and and has moved on, and it, it just it does give it a little bit of a different perspective. But in, in terms of the game, I remember I was not missing that game. I remember I was I told myself I was like I'm watching this game. I remember wh- exactly where I was. I was in my living room, watching the game, and I just I I still can't believe. That it actually happened. The fact that Kobe Bryant elevated his already legendary status, even more so in just that final game, he made an already legendary career more legendary just by that performance in that game, just willing his team to victory, just willing the ball in the basket. I remember watching. I was literally just dumbfounded. The fact that, and, and I'm thinking about it now. Just how how does how does one how does one do that? He could be Duke could barely walk, yeah, <laughs> and he just goes and drops sixty, wills his team to a victory in his last 
NBA game. The last time he laced him up for for an NBA team and got and stepped out on the court. It's just it's literally unfathomable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'll I'll take the contrarian approach because I vividly remember not watching this game. <laughs> um instead, I was more focused cuz I remember that was the same Warriors. night where the Warriors yeah. were going for 73 and 9. And I remember focusing more so on that. I was never a big Kobe Bryant fan, and I've said now, this now many it's coming times. back to me. Yeah, yeah, I've said this many times. I'm uh, the biggest LeBron fan on the planet, and I never necessarily viewed it as a rivalry between LeBron and Kobe Bryant. But I didn't understand why people would idolize Kobe over LeBron if they had the choice. Like if they had to choose, oh, Kobe, LeBron. I was like, I'm choosing LeBron every single day. He's the best player I've ever seen. No, I, I um, agree with you. So I was never a big Kobe fan. Partially because of the way he played the game, and there have been plenty of times where even he has joked about this, and I think this is part of the reason why I lean more towards LeBron. LeBron is a pass-first player, one of the most you know gifted athletes, and he could score at any time, mm-hmm. but he chooses to pass and get his teammates involved, and the team as a whole, I think, succeeds because of that, whereas Kobe has always been a shoot-first guy. And, you know, will not pass has been documented of choosing to, to shoot and letting his you know, teammates get the rebound as opposed to passing them the ball. You know, he's shooting over two, three people at times. And I just never necessarily gravitated towards that. And this game in particular, I remember waking up the next morning and I saw people raving, oh, 60 points for Kobe. Like I was scrolling through Twitter, like catching up on everything from the previous night. And I remember I was like, yeah, why are, why are people – focusing on this as opposed to the Warriors going 73-9. and nine. This is crazy. And I was not a Warriors fan. I didn't mm-hmm. like the Warriors because they had just beaten LeBron the year before. So I, I was this, – this is reverse because this was the game, in my eyes, that symbolized everything I didn't like about Kobe Bryant, the fact that he was so shooting heavy, the fact that he would not pass the ball. Because, yeah, he scored 60 points, but he put up 50 shots. It took him 50 shots to get there. He was shooting – I think it was – 44 percent from the field maybe um yeah it was 22 for 50 so yeah, that sounds about right 44 percent from the field he was shooting uh six for 21 from three so it wasn't even like he was lighting up in there either he was just taking a lot of shots it, like if he's catching on fire okay makes sense to shoot 50 and obviously he did catch on fire later in the game but i was like this is absurd why are we celebrating this like this is everything i did not like about kobe bryant now after he had passed and after I watched that game again because they were re-airing it a whole lot last year, it does make sense to me a little bit. Because as you said, willing his team to a victory, yes, he was not hot at all in those first three quarters. But when it was crunch time and he needed to win, the team needed him to help them win. He did catch fire. The place was exploding Everybody was cheering him on because that was their guy, just like LeBron is my guy. If I saw LeBron do that, I would be elated. I would be losing my mind. And it was the mob of mentality on full display. In the heat mm-hmm. of battle, in the moment where stars are made, he put on that mantle once again, and he willed his team to a victory based off of all the hard work that he had put in throughout the entirety of his career. And that was definitely uh, something that maybe I misinterpreted five years ago. So now I'm a little bit wiser. I've looked at it through a different lens. And it's definitely a game that I I think stands out. Um, Just in in my general life as a sports fan, the fact that that's changed for me, the perception of it in my mind has changed so much. I I think it's like a a very important thing that I've reflected on over the past couple of years. I don't know. It's awesome. Proud of you. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. (laughs) Takes a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, those those last three minutes – Ridiculous. The, the whole yeah. game, I admit, but those last three minutes of that game, no words. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, uh, that, yeah. RIP Mamba. RIP. Five years since his final game, a legend. We can shift over to a New England legend who just retired yesterday, Julian Edelman. He retires after 12 seasons, three rings, which is remarkable. Obviously, he was one of Tom Brady's top targets over the past couple of seasons where Tom Brady was in – before he went to Tampa Bay, and he was still in New England. So he uh, he sparked some debate, though. And, and this is what I, I don't necessarily like about talk radio, and this is what I don't like about sports commentary. The guy had a great career. 
Mm-hmm. Like, very solid career. 12 years. You don't see, you know, everybody going for, for 12 years in, in the NFL. He got banged up, too. He got hit, too. He got banged up. He was out there game in, game out. He was blocking. He, he was doing everything. He was on special teams. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a defensive back for a little bit, too. Like He, he yeah. was all over the field. Even a court, even quarterback. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, just getting banged up. And the fact that, yeah, he was able to make it 12 years, and he was able to produce so many memories. I think that's something that should be celebrated. But, of course, a lot of people in the sports media, the first thing they come to is, hey, he just retired. Is he a Hall of Famer? And it's like, can we just wait a day yeah. uh, you know, and, and then get into it? So we have waited a day. And now we can kind of <laughs> so get, into get into it. Um, but I just wanted to acknowledge it. Like, the dude had a great career, regardless of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. Do you think that he's on his way to Canton, though? If it were up to you, if you had the deciding vote, are you going thumbs up or thumbs down? Deciding vote. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. See, I, uh, it's tough because I feel like I'm in the middle of this. But So, like, you look at Canton, among players in Canton all time, Edelman would rank. 75th in career receptions and just in, in 15th amongst active players. Uh, and then in receiving yards, he would rank 156th and then 25th amongst, amongst active players. Boy. Yeah. Uh, but so when you look at that, when you look at it from a, from, a, from a number standpoint, really, you know, you'd probably say no. But then you look at his postseason stats, 118 receptions, 1,400 yards, 1,440 yards, five touchdowns, 81 first downs. And to me, the postseason is where Hall of Fame careers are made. And, that, and I mean, I've, I've grew up watching Julian Edelman. I've, I've watched the majority of, you know, Super Bowl. I probably watch every single Super Bowl that he's been in. And, I mean, obviously, I'm, we'll get into the catch that – just incredible, one of the best catches ever yeah. that ultimately probably won the Patriots that Super Bowl. And in that year, he averaged 129 yards in three games for that Patriots team. And then the next year, the following year, versus the St. Louis Rams, he won the MVP. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here. But I feel like he showed up in the biggest moments. And like you said, he, he provided a lot of them. So I think for, for him, his career has got to be about the moments and not entirely the numbers. And like also like the, the kind of player that he was, just tough, gritty, hard worker, just the ultimate competitor, just went out there, like I said, got beat and battered and would just just keep taking it and get back in there and produce for his team. I, I got mad, mad respect for him. Great story. And – I mean, you know what? Yeah. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to settle on that. If somebody, yeah, did point a gun at my head, like, Hall of Famer or no, I probably would say Hall of Famer. Um, And I, I, I think, yes, while the stats definitely are not in his favor, there's some context that needs to be added there. Absolutely. Like, he was a crucial part of that Pat's dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I, they don't get the Falcons victory without him. Mm-hmm. The, now, Seahawks, he scored the game winner in the Seahawks. Seahawks. Um, I will push back a little bit on the the The, the Rams Super Bowl yeah. was the worst Super <laughs> yeah. Bowl I have ever watched. It was pretty bad. And the fact that he was the MVP does not really mean a whole lot to me there because there wasn't really a whole lot of offense. I mean, they scored yeah. 13 once, points. Yeah, once again, just tough, gritty catches. Just Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would lean more towards Hall of Famer. I mean, put it this way: like, I if I were a, a star receiver in the NFL, I would prefer to have his career over the career of somebody who puts up great stats but doesn't win anything and doesn't make it to the postseason. Like, exactly. I would want to be a Julian Edelman, and I think I would be more worthy of going to Canton over somebody who never really won anything. I think we should be awarding results not necessarily over talent but it should be kind of kind of similar i mean i think that yes talent plays a role but if that talent doesn't correlate into anything and you don't make that much of an impact on the game then i i think that's an issue now 
individually has Julian Edelman made that much of an impact on the game? No, but his team did. And he definitely played a role in that. So I, it's a yeah. tough it's a tough debate. It really is. It's a really tough debate because yeah, the regular season stats nowhere near a Hall of Famer based off of those, but he was a critical part in three Super Bowls. Like it's tough. It's really really tough. I got nothing else to add aside from that. I can't I can't put my finger on like where which way I would go really. I, I think I would lean more towards Hall of Famer. I think tough. I would too, but I'm right on the I'm right on the seesaw, but I think I would go towards Hall of Famer as the, well. The more I talk about just, it, it's just like I don't know. <laughs> You're leaning more towards Hall of Famer? Or yeah, I am. But yeah. it's like I, as I was like going through my argument, I was like, oh, but then there's this where I'm like, oh, no, maybe he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. And I kept going like back and forth in my mind. But I, I I'm leaning towards Hall of Famer still. That's how I'm going to end this segment. Locking it in. All right, that was fun. We'll come back. Uh, we have some more football stuff, but we'll get back into some basketball briefly, I suppose. We, we might mix it up. I don't know. Maybe I decide in the commercial break, just like I'm deciding back and forth on whether or not Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. Maybe I decide we're going to take a different route, a detour. You'd be surprised. Stay tuned. Yeah. We, we don't know what's coming <laughs> after this commercial break, so stick with us. The college basketball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get caught up on all the madness than on Com Radio's The Shootaround. As Com Radio's only talk show devoted exclusively to college basketball, David Hadar and Hunter Pickoff will cover all the latest developments in the sport every Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30. From blue bloods to Cinderella's and blowouts to upsets, we'll be sure to get you ready for the best time of the year. Be sure to tune in. In need of top-tier analysis, hard-hitting takes, and all the up-to-date news on Major League Baseball? Then look no further than Ducks on the Pond. Join Zach Lambert, Gabe Angieri, Logan Baranis, and Ben Surface Wednesday nights from 845 to 945 for the premier baseball talk show here on Com Radio. talking all sports anytime anywhere it's no boundaries here on com radio welcome back to innovation park connor griffin zach donaldson ready to roll here in i guess you could call it the c block we're going to break out like industry terms uh we're talking some penn state athletics start off with some basketball and then we can transition a little bit into some football. There's some football news going on this week. So, for starters, since our last show, there's been some shakeup related to Penn State basketball. Obviously, they had all of those starters enter the transfer portal, Myron Jones being one of them. And we thought once Isaiah Brockington decided to come back, like, hey, maybe that's some positive momentum. But then, of course, Jamari Wheeler decides to leave. He goes to Ohio State. We had Trent Butrick and Kyle McCluskey. They decided to go. They're you know, off yeah. the bench, but still, it, it, it's important to note. And then now, the dagger in my eyes, this was tough to see. Myron Jones is going to Florida. I think it's a great fit for him, but this one hurt. Yeah. This is the one guy, and if I had to rank him, and I think I said this last week, I might have hinted at it. If I had to rank them in, in terms of who I wanted to come back, Myron Jones, top of the list. Then Isaiah, and then third, I'd probably say John Hara. Really? Probably. But Myron was number one, so it, yeah. that, that killed to see him go. I'd have Wheeler up there, but your list is respectable. Thank you. So what were your thoughts when you first saw this? Because there was yeah. there was some steam building towards mm -hmm. him going to Florida. Were you surprised at all or no? I Florida? Kind of. I thought he would – I knew he would – I figured he'd go SEC, being from Alabama. Yeah. Alabama was kind of where I thought he may end up. But Florida – That would have been cool to see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but in terms of Florida, yeah, it doesn't surprise me in terms of it being an SEC school. And I do agree. It's a, a heck of a fit for the, for the Gators, who just lost, lost some guys to the transfer portal, the draft. Myron Jones comes in probably, I'd say, Penn State's best offensive player. Uh, maybe the the last two years outside of Lamar Stevens last year, but he'll come in. He provides a lot of experience and a guy who could just come in, make big shots, get to the line, 
make free throws, score, and just be that go-to offensive guy. And and, and I think uh, he's gonna he and you know Brand, Brandon McKissick uh, in in that backcourt in that backcourt excuse me uh, is gonna be tough for for teams to defend against. That's gonna be pretty dangerous. Yeah. I do have to agree. I'm I I can't lie. I saw like the photoshopped image of him in the the Florida uniform. I, I kind of dug it. I I I did. It's it, it is kind of it's it's so weird seeing all these guys and like Wheeler and the Ohio. State. Oh Wheeler, one. I hated. I hated the Ohio State. Uh, just it looks, it, it looks. I I agree though. I get where you're coming from. It looks cool. It's weird, but it's cool. But it's it's different. But it it hurts. It, it's a little bit of everything. It, yeah, it's a mixture of emotions. So I guess you know, wish him the best of luck, and mm-hmm. he's gonna. Get a lot of playing time down there, I think. So Definitely. that should be interesting to, to keep an eye on. But also with basketball, it was announced yesterday that Taylor Battle and Nick Colella would be staying on staff. Obviously, they're Chambers guys. Um, but now they're going to stick around with Shrewsbury. He's decided, kind of similar to how like Bill O'Brien back in 2012 decided he was going to keep Larry Johnson on, on staff, yeah. defensive line coach. You, I think you need to have. I think it's important to have one or two people from the old staff stick around to kind of clue the new coach in on, like, okay, uh, you know, this is kind of how these things operate. Obviously, you're not there to tell him what to do, but you could say, listen, like, we've been here a little bit. Obviously, Taylor Battle is probably this decade, not this decade, this century, which is you know, 21 years, whatever it is probably the most accomplished player in Penn State basketball that they've had since the turn of the century, I would say. Um, yeah, you can make an argument. Yeah, I, I think it's important to still have him there, especially since he was only here for a year. I would have felt really bad if he just lost his job. Yeah, I know, right. Um, and then Nick Colella has been a, a player and has been right-hand man to, to Pat Chambers and knows this program, knows the community. I, I think it's a really good move to keep both of them and uh, that was a really nice thing to see. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I I got like yeah. really excited after seeing that. No, totally. Because you you need guys. Uh, even though I mean the team's going to be completely remade. It's going to be a completely different team you're, you're looking at. But definitely guys who know the community. You know, have I guess contacts and you know that that, that can kind of get get Shrewsbury acclimated. I'm yeah. sure. He's, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's probably fine by himself. But you know, can't hurt. And yeah, Taylor Battle. You know. It, both of them, Nick, Nick Coella, Taylor Battle, you know, beloved by the the Penn State community, and it, it definitely helps um, what what you were saying in all those ways. But also, I think it, I think it shows a lot. That means that they're buying into what Shrewsbury, you know, Shrewsbury's plan, what he has to offer, and you know, what he's gonna bring to the table. I guess you know, and then in this off season, it's going to be a very important off season. Um, but in, and then obviously next season as well, when the when the college basketball season begins. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think it's exciting that we got, we got some guys, some coaches coming back, wish there were more players coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you brought up a good point though. In this time where it's so unstable, you don't know which players are going to come back and they're going to support Shrewsbury. It's nice to have coaches at least coming Mm -hmm. back and showing their support for him. Cause theoretically Taylor battle and Nick Calella could have said, screw you dude. Like you're, you're coming in and replacing our guy. Uh, like we're we're not gonna be a part of this, but they said no. We're here to back you. It's a critical time for the program, and I'd like to see that there are two guys who have been around for quite some time and, and know the program who are sticking around. So that was really good to see. A funny story, real fast, because I do want to shift a little bit into football. Nick Colella, um, I almost spilled coffee all over him one time. I remember my freshman year, I had a job in the BJC with strategic communications, sports information, for those people who don't call it strategic communications. And I'm walking to get to our office, and uh, Pat Chambers walks in. Like I'm like right at a corner, walking on the right side of the hallway, and then he comes in, uh, and I'm like kind of looking around, like, oh, my God, Pat Chambers just walked around the corner. So he's on my left, and then all of a sudden, as I'm, like, looking at Pat Chambers, like, oh, that's, that's Coach Chambers. Starstruck by Pat Nick Colella walks in, and I he was on my side of the hallway, and he's got a tray full of Dunkin' Donuts coffee that he just bought and brought in. And I'm, like, looking 
over at the other side of the hallway because, yeah, Pat Chambers just turned a corner, and I almost go straight without even looking straight into Nick Colella with an entire tray of coffee. But I swerved, bro, and I apologized. And then, yeah, he caught up with Coach Chambers, and they started walking down that hallway the other way, and I was walking back to the office. So, Did you see I, that idiot kid back there? I want to yeah, right, 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 yeah. My coffee. <laughs> I think I was I think I was wearing a bow tie too, so that was <laughs> the best. Um, That's funny. Yeah, but before we go to commercial break, um, I, I didn't do a good job. I was trying to like paint the scene of this hallway. It's a hallway. Like I'm on one side, they're on the other. That's it. It's a couple I was like, walls. Yeah, he's coming around a, a corner. Floor. <laughs> it was a white wall. I remember it. A little bit of beige added to it. I was like, what am I doing? Um, so anyway, the blue white game, uh, not the, the quote unquote blue white game. It's the last spring practice for Penn State football is this Saturday. Obviously, freshmen will be in there. Won't be televised, but I know uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Jones and Jack Ham will be on the call. So that's something that Penn State has going on. They're about to wrap up spring camp. And then also, Micah Parsons is on Hey Rookie tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. So I will definitely be watching. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, I like the last. I like the one last year with KJ. Yeah, well, KJ's great. great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one with Micah. Yeah. Uh, any expectations for Saturday? Depression, since we won't be there? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously that's that's unfortunate, but um, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I'm excited to watch this freshman class. How wait the, the freshmen on the field or or the, just the freshmen who are going to attend? Yeah, yeah, and then th- they're going to be so confused. They're going to have no idea what to do. Oh, yeah, because there's going to be nobody around there to let them know. Like for example, if I were a freshman. I would never think to stand on top of the bleachers. Which, by the way, I still hate it how we do that. But that's what everybody does in the student and, section. Everybody stands yeah. on top of the bleachers. You're not standing on the cement underneath the bleachers. You're standing on top of them. Mm-hmm. There is nobody there to, you know, orchestrate that. I don't, I'm curious to see how different it is inside there. It's it's going to be interesting. And, like, do they know the words to the alma mater? They don't even know the words to the basic chance. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> there's the nobody there to tell them, man. So that's what I'm curious about. I, I, I just, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Could be uh, some good content coming our way of freshmen just having no idea what's going on. I, I would love to see that personally. But I hope they have a good time. Um, yeah, freshmen on the field are going to be exciting too. Yes. Put it out there. I agree. Christian Velio. Oh. Is that, I, I never remember how to say it. I think it's V-O. V-O? Yeah. Yeah, the, the King brothers. I'm, I'm excited. I think we've got a lot of a lot of potential studs in, in this class. I, I It stinks how it's not even televised. Yeah, I, I would love to see that now that you bring it up. Yeah. Dang. Oh, well. Hopefully next year. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we can get some com radio guys on the call for the blue-white game next year. Hopefully it is a natural, you know, traditional blue-white game. But who knows? Crazy times we live in. It's going to be a crazy next segment, though. Don't want to miss it. Talking some Philly sports, and then we will wrap up the show with a little bit of a goodbye. So stick around. We'll be right back right here on Com Radio. You're listening to No Boundaries. I am buying into this lineup. Mike Trout, Dustin Upton, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani. Baseball's finally back, and that means you can hear more bad takes like that one on Ducks in the Pond, airing every Wednesday from 845 to 945. Tune in for the best baseball analysis and hot takes here on Com Radio. Here on Com Radio, nothing is off the table for discussion. Whether that's breaking news, daily sports talk, the entertainment and music industry, Penn State sporting events, whatever it is, we've got you covered on PSUComRadio.com. There you can find our talk shows or live broadcasts, articles or podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram for more content. But above all, thank you for tuning into our station and be sure to stick around right here on Com Radio. And we're back. You're going to bring us in cold. We don't need a bump. We don't need a bump to bring us back into our own show. Just bring it back on our own. Bump. Um, bump. What's a bump? Bump it up. Going bump it up. We're going to talk <laughs> some Philly. Segway right there. Uh, Sixers. We kind of hinted at it at the beginning of the show, not necessarily because it was a Sixers segment, but we were talking about the NBA. They are first place. They're in first place once again because the Nets kind of slid and uh, Sixers haven't been incredible, but they've been still, you know, doing their thing. And they just went 3-1 and one on the four-game road trip. Had two very dominant wins over uh, Dallas. And then beforehand, it was OKC. So, 
where are your thoughts on this team right now? Are you feeling confident? Like, I think they could be playing better, but they're still first place and yeah. they're, they're still, you know, doing their job. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, still first place. Um, the, I mean, I think since, since last show, I think Boston, Boston was that night, I believe, last Tuesday yeah, night when Tuesday Winnipeg night. came back. And, uh, I mean, that was, I love the fact that the Sixers just own the Celtics now. The script <laughs> has been flipped. The script has been flipped. Uh, 2017, maybe, maybe the last time, 2018, maybe the last time. Ever since then, Sixers have owned the Celtics, and and I love it. Celtics are struggling right now. They're in that. They're in that heap. Uh, yeah. They're in that. You know, the end end half of the Eastern Conference. Um. But anyways, yeah. And the the Pelicans game was a little. That one wasn't great. Zion kind of just dominated, and then like you said, two dominant wins versus OKC and the Mavs. Seen a lot of good things. The best, Joel Embiid's back. He's yeah. back, baby. He's back to form. He's back to MVP form, and I think he's just he should still be in the conversation. You think so? I think so. He's only. I mean, I mean, if you look at LeBron's missed games, who? Well, that's what the I, only one's Jokic. Like, I don't think LeBron is winning MVP because I think he's missed too many games. I mean, he's only Embiid only missed eighteen. Where's like where's the cutoff? I don't know. Yeah, if I mean, he, he would have to. I think in. In my eyes, he would have to play pretty much every single yeah. game at this point on. And on top of that, perform. Perform and minutes restriction. You know, does that factor into it too? I, I don't know. Um could. Very well could. Yeah. I'm it, just I'm just glad he's back to just being unstoppable again. Well, yeah, because th- th- this is what I was we were talking during the break and, and feel free to bring out any stats that, that you found because I, I love stat muse. On Twitter, I, I think I know which one you're talking. Yeah, about. well, so there were two in mine. Uh, them too. The most free throw attempts per 36 minutes in a season in NBA history Th- this season. Joel Embiid has 13.1. That is definitely the most in league history, as Wilt Chamberlain in 1962 only had 12.6, and then Shaq in 2001 had 12.0. The difference between Joel Embiid and Shaq, of course, is that Joel Embiid makes a very significant amount of his free throws. Um, yeah. So 13.1, he's getting to the line. That's how he's getting a lot of his points. He's on There are games where 50% of his points are coming at the charity stripe, and it just shows you how much of a threat he can be where, yeah, you have to foul in order to stop him, but then he's still accumulating points yeah. through his free throw attempts. So exactly. that was the one I saw. I and did, yeah. on top of that, oh, this is another one. Um, the Mavs played four centers against Joel Embiid in the first half. They combined for two points and nine defensive fouls. The four centers combined only scored two points on the offensive end. Defensively, they fouled nine times. Embiid, in that half, had 23 points, including 13 free throws. Opposing centers just have to have fear in their eyes every time they go up against this man. But but that's what we were talking about, though, when it comes to Brooklyn. Like, mm -hmm. Brooklyn doesn't have anybody who could stop Joel Embiid. No. Yeah. I mean, you can't stop Joel Embiid. Building off of a lot, a lot of people are you know hitting on him for for um not hitting on him. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. making a move, <laughs> knocking the on digits. Him. Excuse me, misspoke. Knocking on Embiid for um taking all these free throws. Like, oh, he can't score. He gets to the line. No, that's the only way you can stop him. You have to force him to make his fa- foul shots because he's just that dominant of a post player. Here's, this is the stat that I was talking about on during the break. Embiid has posted up more, almost almost 200 times more than anyone in the NBA and is the fifth most efficient post score of players who have at least 100 post-ups. Wow. The reason that he gets so many free throws is because that's the only way that you can stop him. These are just easy buckets. You have to force him to earn his points at the line, and I don't think people are giving him enough props for being a seven-footer Knocking down, I, I'm not. I, I don't know what his percentage is. I don't have it, but a very high number, a very high amount of his free throws. Yeah. And yeah, the the Nets, the heck are they gonna do? While well, they square off tomorrow, yeah, it's the last time Sixers and the Nets will face off before the playoffs. One seed on the line. One seed on the line. I'm very excited to watch. I think that Sixers get the dub. I think this is a game that they're gonna want to come out and perform 
And I, I think absolutely at home, I, I think they get the win. I think so too. Hopefully, hopefully Kyrie plays. I, hopefully, I don't know about Harden. I think he's out. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, I, it would be ideal to have full strength I, against full strength. Yeah, because I, I think that would be playoff atmosphere. Um, that that type of feel to the game. But we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm going to be watching regardless. So very excited about that. Very excited about the Phillies as well. They have cooled off a bit since their hot start, but they're still first place in the NL East. They're the only team in the NL East that has a winning record currently, yeah. which is uh, very exciting. But tied, it's tied 2-2 right now with the Mets, top of the eighth. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the doubleheader. Um, well, that's good to know. I, will, oh, I wish we would have turned it on now that I, 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 now that yeah, I think I know. about it. You I, wouldn't have been able to watch it. it. Actually, maybe from the other studio you might have been able to watch it off of the TV in here. But uh, If I adjusted my uh, – chair yeah <laughs> anyway uh they they had a definitely a controversial win over the braves their last time out before today a little bit alec bohm of course on a that was a very short pop-up to left field he decides to test it test the left fielder's arm i forget who it was but it was ozuna so i see why he went but yeah. i was still i was like no what are you doing well he, he goes uh he tags up did reach home plate. He was called safe, but review didn't necessarily indicate that he actually touched home plate on the slide. He slid feet first, and it did not look like his foot touched the base. It looked like it hovered over it. I didn't think it touched. Did you think it touched? I didn't really think it touched either, unless something, unless the the back, one of his the foot came around and hit it on the backside, but I don't know. But I don't I don't think it touched. I watched it, I watched it a lot. I was trying to, I, I wanted I wanted it to to touch, but I, I don't think it did. Regardless, no. Phil's got the win, so I won't complain. Yeah, they they get the win on the on the sack fly, which yeah, you're right. I don't think it touched. Uh, and that's that's the one thing I I hate about baseball. I hate about baseball. They implement the review, the instant replay. Which, that in itself, I don't like because it slows down the games even more. Mm-hmm. Not only does it slow down the games even more, though, but you can't even get the call right. I Look, I'm a Phillies fan. I don't think it was the right call. And I think it was not clear as day, but it was it was pretty pretty clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. He did not touch the plate. Yeah. And you go through this extensive review, and then you still come out with the wrong call. And it's like, what is baseball doing? Baseball just has so many problems, and it's ridiculous. And I, I just I can't get behind it. I, I love watching the Phillies. I do, but outside of that, I don't want to watch a, a, a major league baseball game if there's nothing on the line. If it's not postseason, if it's a just a regular season game in July or August, I don't care about it because yeah. I don't trust the MLB to make it an entertaining yeah. atmosphere. I don't product. Yeah, I don't. I'm right with you. I, I'll watch the Phillies, but that that's about it. Primetime baseball, maybe, mm. but very very rarely. I, I, yeah, the MLB just has so many issues. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, we always do a segment where we talk about some stuff that's either going on in our lives or stuff we saw on Twitter. And I uh, thought I would pitch it to you if you found anything interesting that you want to bring to the table. What do you got? Anything? I did. I did. I found this. Um, so apparently the world record-setting rabbit, the biggest rabbit in the world, is was stolen from its home no in way. England, and the police are currently searching for the culprit. ABC News suddenly disappeared from its owner's home over the weekend. It was stolen, reportedly, and the police are trying to track down the culprit. This is the the largest rabbit in the world. Bizarre. I have never heard <laughs> anything like that whatsoever. It almost sounds like it's made <laughs> A little bit, yeah. That is interesting. Um, see, I, I never – I can never find, like, interesting news stories. I don't know why. I, I, I just, like, stuff happens in my life, though, that I, I come on here and naturally rant about because I have no other platform really to do so where people would care. Uh, but I came home on Friday night, like 2 a.m., and I heard somebody using my bathroom 
And I was like, what is going on? Like, because I, I only had one roommate in town at the time, and I knew he was asleep. And I'm like, the lights are off in my bathroom. Why Why do I hear somebody, like, peeing in the toilet? And so I go towards the bathroom, and I'm, like, ready to, like, just hit somebody if they're, like, breaking into my apartment. And I, I walk in because I didn't see anybody, and I get hit with water. And it's coming from my ceiling, and I look up. There's a just a huge leak in my ceiling. And it wasn't, like, a drip, drip, drip. It was coming down on me. My floor was soaked. And my roommate's still asleep. My roommate was sleeping through this entire thing. So at 2 a.m., I got to get on the phone with maintenance uh, at ARPM. Shout out to Craig, by the way. Um, Craig Craig. was the man. He came out at 3 a.m. I'm working with him until like 4, trying to get this thing patched up. And then he had to come out the next morning. So all of Saturday was dedicated to to fixing this leak in my ceiling. But I thank God it's taken care of. Now the next thing is getting the, the ceiling like, the water problem is no longer an issue. The roommates above us, the people who live on the second floor, they were clogging the drain with paper towels. They, they were flushing Unreal. paper towels down the toilet. <laughs> Idiots. Come on. So that's what caused the leak. And the water problem, thankfully, is fixed now. But our ceiling, there's still, like, a hole in it. There's a board that's covering the hole, and we need to get that redone. So I, uh, adult stuff, man, it's hard. stuff. Especially at 2 a.m. when I'm just dying yeah, to go to bed. That's annoying. Anyway, that's, that's very irritating. That's my little rant. I had the Chipotle rant a couple weeks ago. I figured I'd come on here and do that rant as well. Zach, where can they find you on social? Can find me at Zach Donaldson underscore on Twitter and follow the show's Twitter account, which is now back to actively posting at N Zero Boundaries to uh, catch any episodes that you may have missed or if you just want to re listen. We're going to blow up your feed now that we are back and ready oh, to yeah. roll. Get ready. Um, you can find me at Real C. Griff. We'll both probably be posting our Jim Nance Award reels like we talked about at the beginning of the show. If you mm-hmm. want to check those out as well, show some love. But uh, that's going to do it for us. No Boundaries, episode 16. It's in the books. Hope to catch you next week. Only got a couple shows left now that I think about it. School year is coming to a close, so we hope you stick with us, and uh, we hope you enjoy. Peace out, everybody. You're listening to Com Radio. Wherever you are, we are. News, sports, talk. Thank you for listening to Com Radio, a production by the students of the Belisario College of Communications at Penn State University. We now return you to scheduled programming.